So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more and give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement? If you want to learn the answers to those questions and more, then you've come to the right place. My name is Dr. Aaron LeBauer, physical therapist, business coach, serial entrepreneur, and author of the Cash PT Blueprint. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, what's up? Welcome back to the Cash PT Lunch Hour podcast. This is your host, Aaron LeBauer. Today, my special guest is Dr. Janae Brown. Janae is a fellow Californian. She actually lives there. I only used to. She's in San Pedro, California, which is in the LA area, right next to Long Beach, where they have the Grand Prix. And Mm -hmm. Janae is someone who had an opportunity to get to know a few years ago. And I wanted to bring her on the show because one of the things I remember her saying was, hey, Aaron, cash-based therapy sounds great, but I've got this one insurance company that's going to pay me more than I ever thought. So I was like, let's talk to Janae (laughs) about that. And she's built her team over the last year. So I wanted to bring her on to showcase what she's doing and crushing it. So Janae, thank you so much for being here. Of course. Nice to be here. Yeah. Can you (laughs) tell me, like, I never knew, like, I never asked, why'd you start in physical therapy? Like, what was it about physical therapy that attracted you to the profession? Well, when I was in high school, I was an athlete. I played basketball. I love sports. I love the body. And I wanted to kind of stay in healthcare. I had an aunt who was a nurse who kind of wanted to encourage me to be a nurse. And I wasn't really feeling the nursing thing, but she said, look, there's a great profession right now, physical therapy. You can work with sports. You can work with the body still. There's great, it's your healthcare. So you always will have a job and there's a lot of different areas you can work in. And so I was like, that sounds cool. Then I ended up getting an injury where I needed some physical therapy and I had a good experience with it. And so that was it. I set my mind on applying to PT schools and here I am. Right on. When you went to PT school, did you know, like getting out, I'm going to go start a business or were you just like, Mm. this is going to be a good profession. I'm just going to go get a job, work at a hospital, work with some athletes. Yeah. I am a driven person. So Mm -hmm. I think I thought maybe at some point I would have my own business But initially going in, I was actually wanted to work with a team, like be like the sports PT on a team. But then when I realized very early on that that was not going to make me very much money and was going to take me away, I couldn't have really a family and travel and all the realistic things that I wanted to, in addition to being a PT, I just started working in outpatient orthopedics and kind of staying around like the injured athlete or injured orthopedic injuries. But I knew probably in the first like four years, it was when I was like, okay, at some point I want to have my own business, but I did have a daughter. She's going to be 16. Okay. So I wanted to just kind of get through like just being a mom, being there for her. And then I thought I'll, I'll do it when she's like more independent and I can, I thought it would be a lot more. I thought it would be what it was not. I thought it would be more work and it would be more time consuming. I have less time for my family. And actually it's been the opposite. I've been had more control I've had more autonomy. I've been able to do what I want to do, which is what I didn't really see it from that perspective as a young PT. That's interesting. Why did it seem like it was going to be a lot of work? What was it that you thought or heard was going to be like too consuming of your life? Yeah. I think that when you think about owning your own business, you think like you're all of it. You're there from the morning to the end. You handle all the administrative stuff. You fix all the problems. You do everything, all the HR, your hiring. You have to be your front desk. You just have to be on 100% of the time. And then financially, when you're a business owner, there's a risk that all that falls on you. You have to supply your own finances and make your own money. So it's kind of all those things. I was like, it's a huge risk to do that. I think that there's a fear in that in the beginning. 
So I think I thought about that, that it was going to take time away from me being able to time and money. And just, I thought it would be too much, too much for me. At what point did you realize it wasn't? When I just took the risk and stepped out on faith and did it. (laughs) (laughs) I really didn't. I was like, you know, what's funny. I tell everybody this story a lot when I talk about you and I say, look, my daughter was like seventh, eighth grade. And I was getting this itch to change jobs. I was working as a director of rehabilitation or actually the director of rehabilitation. I was running the region for a company called Burger Rehab, the Southern California region. I was doing it. I kind of like everything had led up to me sort of opening a practice in the sense of I'd manage a lot of people. I worked with human resources. I'd done all these background stuff, learned a lot about insurance and all that. And then I decided I'm ready to like, at time-wise with her, I'm like, I'm ready to do something different. I really want to open my own practice. And I was talking with some of my friends about, hey, let's start our own like home health sort of practice, or let's do something together, some sort of cash-based practice. And none of them were really interested. And then I came across probably because of social media and how it flags things and sponsors things and all this stuff. I came across your stuff. And I was like, what is this? I signed up for the course. I was like, this sounds really interesting. And it really was me kind of being interested in doing it. The way I love the way you set the course is you sort of work each, if you do the work and you work each module and you do each thing you say to do, you get to a point where it's like, okay, it's time to go look for your lease. And that's what really, what really happened. It was like, I remember it was October. I finished the course. I'd started it, I think in April-ish, April, May. And I got to October. I was like, it's time to go look for your lease. And I was like, I've done everything I had to do. I need to go look for a lease. And I went and looked for a lease and then I just transitioned. I just did what you said to do in terms of going in slowly and small and trying to keep your one hand in your other work and build a patient clientele and keep your overhead low. All the right things, I think, that set somebody up to start a business that don't have to go out and spend a lot of money or take a lot of risk. It kind of just happened. And then I was like, I guess I'm here. (laughs) Well, not like you snapped your fingers and it just happened. You did some work. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. There was work to be done. But if you do the work, I did it. And then it was like, it's time. Yeah. What's the next step? I either do it or I don't. I'm either scared or I step out and do what I want to do and take the next step. Right. And then taking that next step, what did you realize? I realized that it was the best thing probably that I could have ever done. It was the best decision I had ever made to do that because you get the control. You can do as much or as little as you want to do. You can even work full-time for somebody and have a small business in a gym or something on the side and just be working on clients on the side. If your business never grew to what it was, you could still do that. But there wasn't as much, but it did grow because all the things that were in me, all the things I had learned to that point. I'm one of those people that I don't know how to like fail. So you just, you do, I do what I have to do. I'm like, how do I get clients? How do I get my Yelp reviews? What do I need to do here to get this marketing out here? How do I bring everything together? And I just did, I just sort of, and then the business just kept growing. It was, you know, went from me to adding a PT aid full-time to adding a full-time PT to adding two more aids to adding, I just actually hired another part-time doctor. I had a per diem and then I ended up hiring a part-time doctor. Wow. That's so, awesome. Yeah. And it's been every year because I'm at four years this year. This year. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. That's so awesome. So how many people work for you right now? How many physical therapists? And so I, have, and- I have two PTs now. I had a full-time PT that I hired one year ago. And then I just recently hired two weeks ago, a part-time PT who's going to be working about 25 hours a week. Yeah. So, and then I have one full-time aide 
and two part-time aides who kind of work together a full-time schedule. And then my aides do everything. They do front office and back office for me. So they all kind of know every rule of the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is interesting. So the aides yeah. are kind of like your admin staff and they're helping with some treatment, that kind of stuff, yeah. right? My philosophy is like, I need to know how to work every part of my business. You teach this too. Like you mm-hmm. need to know every part of your business, right? But then when I bring an aide on, they need to know every part of my business because if someone leaves, then the next person can train another person coming on to know every part of what needs to happen. All the billing, all the scheduling, how to work with patients, every part of it, how to set up things, active campaign, every part of it is important for them to know because we see a high turnover with our aides in flow. And then when I came into my space that I'm in right now, which I potentially am going to be growing out of soon. But when I came into it, there was a concierge front desk. So that was like somebody who greeted everybody at the front. And I really didn't hire a front desk person. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of trained my staff to be able to take on my tasks. So in our building, there's a chiropractor who's also acupuncturist. We have personal training, massage. It's a wellness center. So we have kind of all Mm -hmm. things in here. So we independently run our businesses, but the front desk person sort of concierge right. to, the, to the building. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're in like kind of a suite area where there's like a common reception type of place and they check people in for the different businesses. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with your aides, are they doing, like when you call them physical therapy aid, there's a lot of different ways people describe what do they do, even with like all the different state laws. It's like, here's what an aide can do. Here's what an assistant can do. What are some of the roles that you guys have the aides do? Is it just checking people in? Are they involved in any of the patient care or delivery? How do they work? And what do you guys do with them? So I think all of our aides are at a little bit different level. Some have been here longer, some have more training. So they're all a little bit different in terms of their skill set with working with patients. Mm -hmm. We're not a high art. We're a one-on-one, one-hour clinic with the PT. So our aides support us within that. They might start and warm a patient up on some, the pulleys or like the bike, or they might do a, put a cold pack on a patient at the end. They might do some basic things that they've learned over time. If we have a patient that's a back pain patient and we say, I want you to take them through these basic sort of exercises, but really it's based on the skill set of the PT aid that we all are sort of individually evaluated in comfort level. So I might start with prepping a note with the patient and while I have an aid started, but I'm right there with them watching what's happening. But usually we don't have our aides like work hundred percent one-on-one with patients without some sort of guidance, basically right. Right. just because of our style, because we, our style is if people come to us for us to work with them one-on-one, we do have a high, high cash-based portion mm-hmm. of our practice. And we want to be with our, I set it up the practice that we can be with the patients one-on-one for an hour. So I want high quality care. So mm-hmm. They're an additive. They get to do things that we feel comfortable with them teaching and knowing. But a lot of times we feel like we want to do those things. So it's just, we use them as we need them. Yeah, basically. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think the question that I had a moment ago that I want to kind of circle back to is you just hired someone new, right? A lot of times people are like, how do I hire the first person? My question is, how do you know when you need to hire the second? Have you figured out at this point, like, okay, I need to hire another PT when this happens, or I need to hire an aide when X, like, do you have a better read on that now after a few years of doing this? Yeah. I think that for me, it's like when I hit my cap, because I was trying to be 50%, working about 50% Mm -hmm. of the day, basically a half, half day I work every day. So when I got to like 20 to 25 hours, 
I knew that it was time to hire someone. So then I brought someone in per diem and then I was slowly filled their schedule. And then I go, okay, now they're at 12, 15 hours. Now I need to hire someone part-time. For me, some of it's a risk because if you know you're getting a lot of good enough amount of referrals, you know, you can grow that schedule. And so some of it's a risk that you step out and go, okay, it's time. For me, another part of it is having some money saved away. So the way I, my business model is, is like, I have six months of salary saved away. Originally it was three months, but then your payroll goes higher, right? So then you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, I need to be safe. But having enough cushion there where it's like, if something happened, I could still cover expenses here if there was sort of a dip in what we make because I'm relying on some insurance. So for me, it's if insurance slows down that month, which it's doing right now in December. So being able to be in a space where I can't not pay my employees, like that kinds of stuff. So Mm -hmm. some a little bit is timing. It's hard to one of those things. It's hard because you start to just learn and you know, you're like, I feel right. This is a time and a little bit of a risk. Just like Mm -hmm. when you stepped out and you opened your practice, you have to take a little risk and go, I've done this before. I can do this. Maybe I have to put a little bit more marketing efforts into some things. Maybe I'll take a patient that I wouldn't normally take for us. We don't really take Medicare patients, but if I had, if a patient came along, I might take that patient because I needed to fill schedule for a little bit or a workers comp patient that I wouldn't normally take Mm -hmm. until I don't have to do that again. Cause I've marketed to fill that schedule. So I do a little bit of that too. Yeah. Awesome. And so with risk, there generally comes a reward. So, right. What's the reward? Like what's the reward of, for you growing your business, hiring other people? Like, what do you get out of it? The reward is I get to help people the way I want to help them. I get mm-hmm. to treat patients without feeling like I didn't actually change anything. I mean, I think that we all, no matter what, when we're PTs, where we work four patients an hour or one patient an hour, we know we're changing and helping people, but I get to do it sort of on my terms, mm-hmm. the way I want to do it. I get to take off when I want to take off. I get to come in late when I want to come in late. I get to leave early when I want to leave early. I get to do whatever I want to do. It's my world, you know? (laughs) The other thing I really love about the structure I have is I get to just treat employees and my staff the way I want to treat them. I'm really like big on just like you put your heart into this business, like it's yours and I'll treat you like you own this, but you know, you're part of it. Like we're all in it together. So I'm a big, like just making my employees I remember like when I was a PT working for someone, you just feel like you're going to work every day. And it's just like the same thing every day. I try to make it where it's a growing environment where we're learning together. We're spending time communicating about patients. We're just giving every part that we can. So I get to do what I want to do. You know, that's, that's awesome. How, or what are some of the ways that you incentivize your employees, reward them for taking ownership in your business? Like, yeah. Is that partly, is it some of the activities you guys do or is it, some of the pay structure or bonuses? I mean, what are some of the things that you do that keep them around or help them feel like they're like this part owner almost, as you were saying? One thing I do is when I interview my employees, I ask them what is important to you as an employee? Like, is it flexibility? Is it monetary? Like, do you need to be like acknowledged for how great a, a job you do? What is it? So I try to get to know people, but I would say that most people like to know they're doing a good job. So one of the things I do is I just use my words a lot. I'm mm-hmm. just like, yeah, you know, I encourage them. I let them know they're appreciated. I thank them. I try to find little things to let them know that like you're valued here at this, at our clinic. That's one thing. Yeah. The second thing is like, I have a petty cash file that when we get copays and stuff, I make this cash area and I'll bring in coffee. I'll bring in donuts. If I'm not even in, sometimes I'll say, Hey, treat the staff to some coffee on me or whatever. We had a long week. So I'll do some of that through 
on a weekly basis, some of that. And then during the holiday times, I always try to bonus my employees. I remember being a PT. Like I said, (laughs) I ran the region for a company. I've been at a lot of different levels. A lot of times you don't even get a Christmas bonus. Maybe you get like a $25 gift card or some places do it, but you don't. But I truly try to bonus even my aides. Like I bonus them out when Christmas time, right before the holidays, you and I ask my team what they want. For example, I'm like, hey guys, we can do a Christmas party. I can put money into that or I can bonus you. And most people would like some extra money in their pocket before Christmas to buy their kids gifts or family gifts or whatever. So I just try to communicate with them and figure out what it is that makes them like want to stay here. What would make them feel like this is a place I want to be forever. And then Con Ed is the other thing. I think for us as PTs, we like when our employers pay for our Con Ed. (laughs) So we try to do like courses that help grow the staff and together and some of that too. It's kind of a little bit of everything. Yeah. That's awesome. I always like hearing that from other people. Cause I'm like, yeah. I'm out of, t- I'm a little out of touch with being an employee. I mean, it's yeah, been a sure. long time. Sure. So it's like probably like messages, coffee. I was like, Ooh, coffee. I should do that some morning. I haven't done yeah. that. So yeah. hopefully I'll do that before my employees listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Hey, she gets her employees coffee. I know. I'm going to take yeah. credit from you, Janae. For that one. <laughs> I'll give you credit. I think those little things go a long way. Wouldn't you agree? For sure. Absolutely. And I think your employees know there are times when it's like, I know this year with COVID, it's like, I really wanted to bonus them a little more this year, but I've been able to keep every one of them employed. Mm -hmm. They haven't had to go get an unemployment. We've been able to keep our clinic open. I didn't fear close my clinic. I just did everything I could to make it work. And so I think they understand that too. When I say to them, look, this is a rough year, but I'm so grateful that I've been able to keep you guys on staff. And I think when they know you, when you do things consistently, it's just like a spouse who doesn't wait till Valentine's Day to give you flowers, but they are constantly acknowledging you and doing things. Then they know too where when you're up against a wall when you can't do something. So I think you just have to, some of it's a person thing, knowing someone really cares about you and wants you to be a part of their family or their work environment. Yeah. That's awesome. So you mentioned like COVID. I mean, yep. it's still a thing. <laughs> What were some of the things that you guys did earlier this year that helped you keep everyone employed and get through it? Yeah. So immediately I looked for telehealth platforms. I had just come off of going to APTA and I think it was Denver. Yeah. And CPTA the previous year, which telehealth was a big conversation right before COVID even happened. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of just getting us all prepared for that conversation. I came back to my team at that point was like, you know, PTs are doing telehealth and they're like, oh no, like, why would we do that? We want right. to work with our patients one-on-one in front of them. And I tried to explain to them, look, it's an opportunity to tap into like people in another part of the world that might want our clinical skill set or our ideas or can't come out. And so it's not closing that gap. It's just opening more opportunity. But we had the conversation, then COVID happens. And when it happened, I feel like it just forced us to figure it out. And so we did, we just got on we tried a couple of things, Zoom. We tried, we do, we actually do most of ours on Hangouts. Um, mm-hmm. Works really good for us. So we do Hangouts. The other thing, I didn't ask my patients, like, what would you like to do? Do you want to go telehealth? I just told my patients, and this is my personality style too. I said, we're moving all of our patients to telehealth right now to make everybody feel comfortable. We're going to get sort of our processes in order, see how these next couple of weeks go, and then move everybody back as they desire to come back and everybody feels safe to come back. And that's what we did. So I didn't lose any patients. I didn't mm-hmm. lose not one. And I did it with our Medicare's too, just going, we had at that time, I think one Medicare patient. And I just was like, 
they're going to figure it out. I just had a feeling, you know, and they did. I just had a sense that it's worth the risk to not leave this patient hanging. And I just moved them. And funny enough, the patients were so surprised at how successful it was. They're like, wow, it's just like you're right in front of me. You're cueing my movement. You can see everything I'm doing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even feel like I'm not there other than the fact that we couldn't touch patients. So we had to get creative with myofascial release balls and foam rolling and in different ways to try to get to those things that we usually use our hands to touch. But it was, we said it was better than nothing. This is great. We don't want to get weaker. Everybody knows, we know on our end that it's successful and it's useful and it's a great thing. What's changed? Like, so I've noticed in my business, there's certain things that have changed and take us more time and certain things are different. Like what's changed for you in your business because of COVID, like how it runs or maybe some of the things you're doing that maybe you didn't expect or like, like we have to clean a lot more. We have to check people in. Like, are there some things in your business that are here now that might not go away even when everyone gets a vaccine because of some of the changes that we've had to make? We're not really sure whether masks are going to go away. I mean, the conversation has not been clear, whether you get vaccinated or not, whether that's going to actually change. I don't think we know yet. I mean, personally, I hate wearing a mask. I get flustered and I'm doing multiple things. So it's just frustrating to have to, you feel like you can't breathe sometimes. And we're active. We're active with our patients too. I don't know if it'll go away. I'm praying it does. I'm praying that this is sort of not going to be a long-term thing. But of course, that that's a huge part for us because we're us and our patients are trying to navigate with that. Cleaning and disinfecting, I think that we haven't changed much with that. We've always really done a good job of cleaning and disinfecting. I think washing hands before they come in is a great thing that we added in. We weren't doing that before. I think that's a good thing that can stick and is probably a good thing in general. We always wiped our equipment down before and after use. Yeah, what else might yeah. stick? I don't know. Yeah. Is have, there anything that like, are you guys spending more time? Cause like sometimes with us, like with our patients, it's like, it takes us like, we're like why is it taking so much time? Cause of all the different new instructions or yeah. et cetera. Like I think our patients have been more worried. I don't know. Yeah. Are you finding any of that? Like, are you guys spending any extra time? With patients cause they're know, worried. With, yeah. With patients cause they're worried or in between yeah. or asking questions, yeah. anything like that. I think because the patient clientele we draw in, because we're not drawing in the traditional PT client, Mm -hmm. we get a lot of athletes, we get a lot of gym goers, active movers, we get a lot of people who aren't scared. It's not a fear-based clientele that we have. We have a couple here and there, but then my leadership style is very a non-fearful leadership style. That's how I lead. And we have employees that are, might be a little scared, but I think that how you lead is how people will feel. Mm -hmm. So we haven't had too much of that happen where patients are scared or worried. We just kind of give the patients the ability to choose. If someone wants to not mask, we just stay away from them. It's mostly because we're doing like someone's on the treadmill running or we're doing that type of thing, active movements. Mm-hmm. We just mask and we stay away. We kind of give them the, if they want to wear a mask and they get short of breath, we're like, pull your mask down. We'll walk away from you. We're just trying to make everybody feel comfortable, but we don't have a huge, it's not a fear-based clientele that we have. So yeah. we haven't had to spend too much time with reassuring patients that things are going to be okay. Yeah. Right on. Are people still like doing telehealth or are they like over it by now? We have two patients that are doing telehealth still because one of them, that's a husband wife team. They both actually are doing telehealth. Their son is compromised, Mm -hmm. um, has a liver issue. And so they're staying home more to protect him. But those are two clients we have other than that. Do you see that coming back next year, whether COVID or not, or do you think Mm -hmm. people are more comfortable with telehealth? Are they like, do they have telehealth or Zoom fatigue? 
the cool thing is like, I've had a patient now we're, when we're offering it for our patients, when they just get stuck at work or they mm-hmm. can't come, there's sometimes a patient forgets an appointment or like, oh shoot, I forgot. I'm going to be 10 minutes. Like, oh, well, you just want to do a telehealth session. So we use it now as a tool. That's what I think is really cool. Well, most PTs did do it. So we all have now this tool. We also have been able to like work with, we've actually had patients from across the world want to do telehealth with us from going and seeing our Instagram and saying, Hey, I have a PT here, but I really like your style better. Can we do a telehealth session? So I feel like if you learn how to take the good from the bad, it could really be a great addition to your practice. And that's sort of how we're using it. I do have patients now who are like, I really love, and it's really about trying it now. If there's patients now who have not tried it, we say, try it. You'll do well with this. They try it and they're like, oh my God, I love it. Then they know they can go in between if they wanted to. So we sort of use it as a tool, but I don't know about next year. I feel like we're all like walking on, who knows? We're kind of just trying to live one day at a time and we just don't know what's going to happen, but I feel like we can do it. Our profession can do it. Insurance companies are paying for it. Cash patients are paying for it. I mean, the whole time we never lost any of our cash patients either. So I feel it's showing them the value. You have to show them the value in everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like if we position it as something that's not worth as much, then people be like, oh, I don't want that. Yeah. And then a lot of people were doing that. Yeah. I mean, I know people I talked to and they were like, oh, I would never do that because I touch people. I'm like, well, okay. So you're okay with your business, like having no business. It's like, we did the same thing. We're like, okay, this week we're doing telehealth. (laughs) You know, here's your roller and here's a ball. Come pick it up on the curb and we'll see you on five o'clock. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Janae, I want to go back to something that was really interesting. And you're not the first person, but you were one of the first. I was like, oh, wow. Because I've had other people over the years come through and be like, Aaron, I want to do cash. I'm like, but you know, what about insurance? Like, what does that look like? I remember, I'm pretty sure this is you. You posted something like, hey, or you said, Aaron, hey, I want to do this cash thing, but I've got these one or two insurance companies that are going to pay me like 180, 200 something dollars or more. Can you tell me about that? Is that still the case? Because it's been a few years, but what was happening at that time and how did you make it work out? So when I first was going to open up, it was going to be a hundred percent cash because I didn't have knowledge of insurance. And I thought it was going to be, again, another thing I had to deal with or another thing I had to figure out. And I was like, I don't know enough about it. And I don't know to trust someone to do it. And I just was like, I don't want to deal with it. And the model that I went through, through the cash BT nation, it was, it made sense to me. I'm like, okay, let's do it this way. When I came into my lease, the owner of the building, her daughter was running front office for the front office and she was doing all the medical billing for the chiropractor Mm -hmm. in the building. And he's a chiropractor and acupuncturist. And she kind of said to me, look, I know you want to go cash, but I do medical billing and you can stay out of network and make really good money. I mean, it's worth trying it. I'll do it all for you and I'll teach you and I'll show you the ropes, but I really caution you, don't not do this. It's in your best interest to do this because we're in the market of an area where we have a lot of longshoremen. And so they have really great insurance, the ILWU. So I would be turning away essentially a ton of business based on the area we're in. And so I said, okay, let's try it. Let's see what happens. So we did. And yeah, I mean, it's very easy. It's easier than I thought it would be. Again, it's that I don't know. So I'm scared and we're scared of everything we don't know but it was really easy. And yeah, in this one particular insurance company, like if we bill like $300, they pay 288. (laughs) (laughs) So they, sometimes they'll give us a little pushback with like requesting notes and things like that, but it's worth it to do it. And then just in general, like 
without a network, I just figured out how to set my pricing. So out of network, we work with our patients. So if they come in and they say, okay, my in-network deductible is 500 and my out-of-network deductible is 1,000, I will say, look, you got to meet your deductible. But after that, when it comes to like your copay, I'll match your copay. So I try, as long as I'm collecting my fees, which mm-hmm. for me is right now, I'm still at 125. I'll probably raise my fees, my session fees. As long as I'm collecting that, I don't charge the patient any more than that. But I do let the patient know up front, look, if they don't pay that fee, you might have a difference that you're going to be billed and that you'll have mm-hmm. to be responsible for. But I collect most of it up front. I collect all the deductible up front. I try to collect as much as I can up front, and only bill them the portion that I really don't think I'm going to have to bill them. And sometimes I have to, right. it's very rare. Just right. I really keep open communication with each patient. That's awesome. But the funny thing was, is at the time, and I don't even know here, it was yeah. like United Healthcare would pay us $38 no matter what we did. And just like when someone else is like $45, I'm just like, <laughs> but I think that's an important point because to be able to file a claim and be out of network and still generate close to $300 per visit. That's great. I mean, but that doesn't sound like it's all of your business. Like what percentage of your business is that? Yeah, it's probably, so because of where we're at, it's 40 yeah. to 50% of my business. So it's a lot of my business. Yeah. I have about like 50% LWU, that particular insurance, 25% everything else, and probably 25% cash. Yeah. Is the some of the other insurance plans doing something similar where you're getting more than I, your cash yeah. rate or ish? The only insurance plan that I don't get my covered for my rate is, is Blue Shield. Like mm-hmm. when it's a Blue Shield a covered California plan, they pay like $75, sometimes 50 so I have to build those, those patients. I know, right. I know now well enough to know, like you're going to be responsible and I charge them up front, but every other insurance, they all pay over 125. Yeah. I usually make somewhere between 125 and 180 on most insurance plans. That's yeah. awesome. And when people say, do you take my insurance? You're like, yeah, we do your insurance. Everything Good. but HMO. Yeah. yeah. And that's again, it's one of the things my front desk, my aides. They verify insurance for the patient, mm-hmm. go over benefits and taught them how to do that. And um, what we've learned through sort of working with our medical biller on how to do that. But we do tell the patient, look, you need to know your own benefits. We want to be upfront with you, but we only know what they tell us. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand them too. But we try to be as helpful to the patient. My biggest fear is I've seen some of these Yelp reviews where you say like, I got this big bill from you know my doctor and they didn't tell me anything about it. So we really just keep open communication. I'd rather a patient walk away in the beginning and say like, I can't afford that than be really upset and get a bill. So we communicate with the patient. Yeah. From the How do you do that? Or at what point in like the new patient onboarding process, do you start discussing the insurance stuff and the payments? Before their visit, <laughs> before they walk in the door. As a matter of fact, I would probably collect it as soon as they walk in the door, but I would probably collect it beforehand. But I think it was offensive a little bit to collect mm-hmm. it too much beforehand, but Yeah. We discuss it all on the inquiry process and then we make sure they're good with that before we schedule the appointment. So like on the phone, when you're having the phone conversation with them, you'll discuss the payment and their responsibility, et cetera. Yep. The first thing that you guys talk about, or you talk about other stuff, is there anything else that you... Well, first thing we try to do is figure out if the patient is a good candidate for our clinic, Mm -hmm. because we don't take every patient. If a patient's not necessarily active or they don't like exercise. We're a huge exercise work because we're all strength coaches. Mm-hmm. And our goal is to get people moving and getting them back to sport or back to the gym or back to something active, maybe even work injuries back to work. But you need to now, you need to have some sort of workout. You need to keep working out if you have a physical job. Mm-hmm. So 
if they don't, if they want to come and be fixed, we don't take that patient. We kind of sometimes will encourage them towards Cairo or Accu, and we'll say, look, if you don't like exercise, you're not going to like our clinic because, you know, we're not the place for you. We're going to be moving and exercising. We do this together. This is not us fixing you. So we try to clear that right up at the beginning. So there's some things we're looking for. And then if they're not, we refer them out. If it's maybe somebody who has like a, a neuro condition or something that we're not treating, we'll refer to a local clinic. So we refer out to our local, we have really good relationships with our local clinics and just refer out to places that we feel like are be a better fit for that patient. Get them where they need to the best place for them, basically. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really great. What's the number one way that you guys find patients? I know that LA, there's a ton of people. Yeah. You go to Google maps, you look up physical therapy, you're going to find like hundreds yeah. of clinics. Like what's the thing that sets you apart and how do people find you? Well, I really used your model, which is Yelp, you know, Google, getting mm-hmm. a Yelp account, getting a Google account. So a lot of it's that it's it was social media, Instagram, we use our Instagram account to share information, but really getting right away. When we opened the practice, I really focused on getting reviews. Like, can you please share your experience? And when you look at our reviews versus like other people in our area, there are some competing numbers. We rank number like one or two. It kind of flip-flops between another clinic in the area, but our reviews really stand out. I mean, they're genuine. They're like paragraphs long from patients. And we ask the patients to really talk about the niche of them. So my daughter is a ballet dancer and she had an ankle sprain or ankle injury or fracture or whatever. We asked them to detail it so that someone who would be looking and go, Hey, I have that same problem. Or I tore my ACL and I wanted to go back to play football or whatever. So we asked them to do that to make it really easy for the reader to really go, this is the right clinic for me. And I think that that segues our patients. Like they look for that. And then we Mm -hmm. don't get a ton of patients that don't fit our category for that reason. Yeah. That's really great. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there a form that you give people or you just ask them in person? For the we just reason? ask them. We try to, and gotten better at it, but you know, it's good not to ask them when they're discharging. You need to ask them a few weeks into treatment, three or four mm-hmm. weeks in, I feel like, or a few weeks in, if you wait too long, it's hard to get patients to do it on the back end. I know you've probably experienced that too. Once they're happy and they're seeing like, this is awesome. I feel like better. I like where I'm at. We ask them to kind of do it right around then. But sometimes it ends up happening at the end because depending on the patient and depending on what's going on, we get it at discharge, but we try to do it right away. And I use a ton of your messaging in our automation, which sort of asks for that throughout time through email and stuff like that. So we try to target them one-on-one while being here through email, through Instagram, through different avenues to just meet them where they're at um, with communication. But yeah. That's really A awesome. lot of stuff I do is really sort of your design of how you laid things out. And I just took it and made it my own. I feel like it was such a blessing to like go through. I would encourage anybody, if you're even thinking about opening a practice, to go through and purchase your program and work those modules because it's worth it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. And I'm so stoked to see all the success and how far you've yeah. come in the last few yeah. years. That's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Janae, is, before we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask or that you think anything else uh, is important for people to know from your perspective over there in California (laughs) or just from your experience? I think that I'm grateful for the, like I said, the opportunity to have like, I think it was right place, right time. I'm just really appreciate what you're doing for the profession because I feel like it's so needed. And we're in a time where we need to bring value to what we do. Like the new doctor I hired, she was in another clinic and 
she came to our clinic and I said, okay, so you're a doctor. So we all have PTs here where we're, we call ourselves doctor, pick your you know, name. Cause at her other clinic, she was just going by her first name and that's okay too. But I feel like anything we can do to bring value to what we do, our education, our expertise, and, and that comes in payment too, like not being scared to ask for what your value is. I think that I learned a lot about that from you as well. So I feel like we need to know we're valuable as it relates to our education, as it relates to what we ask for in terms of being paid, as it relates to telehealth, that our skill set is not just touching people, that we can help people move better. When they move, they're going to feel better. And so all these areas, we need to be able to know our values and share that with others so that we can bring light to our profession. We have a wonderful profession. And so the people that are doing that, I think are just uplifting. And you're one of those. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much. Appreciate the kind words. It's really awesome. Well, Janae, if someone wants to reach out to you or just like internet stalk your company and see what you guys are doing, (laughs) where, where do they find you on like Instagram website and all that stuff? You can find us. Our website is physicaltherapysanpedro.com. And then pretty much that is how you find us through Facebook and Instagram. We're at Physical Therapy San Pedro on both Facebook and Instagram. I do have a Twitter account, but I'm not much of a one-liner. So I don't go on Twitter a lot. I don't like to argue. So I'm not doing that a lot. So no Twitter for me, but I have a Twitter. I just don't spend a lot of time on there. And what else? I think Yeah. You can look us up on Yelp or Google. If you look up physical therapy, San Pedro. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been really great. I think my number one lesson is step through the void into the unknown and just trust that you're going to land on solid ground. Amen. That's right. Thank you guys for being here. Janae, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, yep. We'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks so much. Bye. Hey, what's up? It's Aaron. Real quick, if you're just starting a cash-based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it, this is for you. I just released my brand new book, The Cash PT Blueprint, because I want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there. I want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com. And we get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.